Welcome to You Better Work, the podcast to push you to pursue your dreams and help you celebrate every win along the way. I'm your host, Marquita Bianca, and I'm excited to be with you. So let's get into it. Okay, guys, I am here with the Paris Chanel, my friend and boss lady, all the way from Memphis. Thank goodness for um, for the interwebs and just, you know, because right now COVID is just making us separate and we don't want to be separating. And Paris, like me, is a person who hugs and loves on people. So, so you're sending <laughs> digital hugs to everybody, right? Welcome, Paris. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you too. I'm excited because today feels like you're here and we're just mm-hmm. having like our regular girl chats that we do. Minus yes. a couple of things. We can't tell everybody everything. But today we are going to talk about industry how-tos. And if I could think of anybody that would really give us a super down-to-earth view of how not only they see the industry, but also just the challenges that you have had being in the industry, um, Mm -hmm. not only as full-time influencer, full-time agency owner, and beautiful brown girl, we're not going to leave that out. Um, I am so excited that people get to experience you today. So welcome, welcome. And thank you for saying yes. Of course. You know you proud of me and I'm ready. <laughs> I know. I'm like, hey, girl, can you? And you're like, girl, let's do it. Okay, so the first thing that I want to talk about is your background of the agency because while both of your sides of work are super important i'm not going to minimize either one of them um Uh i want to start off with the agency because i know that that's a foundation um first of all for you so how did it come to fruition that you started the paris chanel agency it sounds so rich Oh, thank you. I hope one day we can say it is so we can be on the yacht. It already is. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, so interestingly enough, um, I was in college and for for five years, I planned on going to college before and I ended up going for five and switching my majors. And so once I got out of school, my mom was like, well, you need a little break. You know, you've been working really hard. So I was like, I wanted to take a year break to focus on my modeling career. Well, Apparently, my mom was keeping a a ticker calendar because on exactly one year, she came in my room around midnight and was like, so what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm about to go to sleep. Like, what do you mean what I'm about to do with my life? And so she was like, well, your year is up, you know, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't quite know. You know, I don't at that point, I didn't want to go back and work for anyone or anything like that. And she was like, well, why don't you start a modeling agency? And I was like, there's still so many things in my own career that I want to accomplish, you know. And so I don't want that to get taken away, you know, by having to start the agency and focusing on everyone else. And she was like, well, you never know what opportunities could present themselves by you helping others. And she was absolutely right. I mean, like, I've done things that I would have never dreamed or thought I'd do. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of how it came to fruition. I, I... that night she blew up my papers literally 
<laughs> she started all your contracts for your agency I mean, that night. It took like thirty minutes. So if you guys she came in and she's like, "Here you go," and I was like, <laughs> "Thanks, mom." Right. <laughs> so to give you guys she's a little pusher. bit. Of- to give you guys a little bit of context, um, I went out to work on a project um, to work for Paris a few months ago, and I had the wonderful mm-hmm. opportunity of meeting her mom, and her mom is such a gem, and not <laughs> only that, but she owns a wonderful eatery <laughs> and restaurant. So tell everybody who's listening about your mom's yummy yumminess. <laughs> So we, um, well, she owns Crab and Go Seafood Palace, and I handle the marketing and things like that. And, I mean, it's in Memphis, Tennessee. It's in Midtown, so it's around the hustle and bustle of everything. And funny thing is when she first started talking about a seafood restaurant, there were really no, like, crab places here. Um, And all of a sudden, when we were getting ready to open, like, so many were, like, popping up, but... One thing that has kept us, like, really grounded is she's all about customer service. Like, that is so big for her. She's in the kitchen herself. She's coming out. She's greeting the customers. So she's giving you a very warm experience. And someone came in, and they they were like, oh, my gosh, this is like seafood with soul. So I was like, you know what? You have a point because when I go to other places, and not just saying because it's our restaurant, but literally I'm a food person, and I do, like, food tastings and things like that. Like, uh, we have seasoned, you know, different, like, we have lemon pepper crab legs and barbecue crab. You don't really hear about stuff like that. So, (laughs) are you hungry? (laughs) I'm always so hungry. So, you guys, I went and personally ate at um, Paris's mom's restaurant. And when I tell you there is so much soul there, this was such, like, a compact trip when I had it. Because I arrived, I was there for... um, the first night, and I stayed at the Peabody, and I had lunch with the ducks. Well, it was really dinner with the ducks, and that was really cool. And, of course, it was COVID, so you couldn't really go anywhere. And so I hadn't really had, like, a home-cooked meal and really no family and no fun. And I didn't even know if I was really going to have that because you and I just kind of winged the second part of the trip. So yeah, seriously. I went to the gig, and this was... I mean, Paris and I had met in person before this happened, but this was the first time we really got to spend time together. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you her family just welcomed me in, it like you would think that Paris and I lived next door to each other <laughs> and had all of these like sleepovers. Her mom was like, um, did you have dessert? And I was like, no, I don't know if I can fit it. They made me have dessert. Um, they made me, oh, they taught me how to eat crawfish. And so if you, well, you know, right. gee, yeah. girl, I do not, I'm going to practice this summer. Like right now, I can't really, you know, do a whole bunch of crawfish eating, but I'm going to definitely practice this summer and hint, hint, wink, wink, you guys, um, Paris will be in my town this summer sometime. So make sure that you stay tuned yeah. for that. But, um, I had the best time and they have the best spirit and I cannot uh, brag on them enough. And every time on Facebook, and I will have all the links and everything below so you can follow them. Because if you're in Memphis, if you're even close to Memphis, yes, come on, you need to be there <laughs> eating all the food and all the things. It is, it's, it's amazing. So your mom is a hoot. And I love her. I love everything about her. And please tell her that we all say hello 
when you sure when you get done with this. So I know she'll appreciate it. She just left to head to the restaurant literally a few minutes ago. So did she? she I yeah. know. So we are also and you guys are an hour behind us. Um, okay. so, yeah, right. yep. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, about one ish here while we are, you know, recording this. And mm-hmm. of course, so it's just midday. And so a lot of times, even when I'm messaging you, Paris, I'm like, yeah, da, 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 da. and she's like, girl, I'm not even into my day yet. What do you mean? I, I just, <laughs> I just rolled over an I'm hour. I'm not a morning person. I have to get better with that. But like, because too, I'm in school as well. So like, I'm up to like five, six, seven in the morning. So by the time y'all are getting up, starting your day, I'm like, okay, it's time for a quick nap before I get my rest of the, get my day started. So yeah, that's kind of how my days go. An hour's a big deal. I didn't really realize how much of a big deal it was until oh, yeah. I was where you were and mm-hmm. the sun was going down and I'm like, I would have been in bed two hours already by now. <laughs> it takes a lot to get used to. Okay. So yeah. you mentioned that you are currently going to school. So with owning the agency and we're going to deep dive into a, a bunch of things with the agency, but how is it managing the agency and going to school? And then of course we're going to get into the influencing too. It is a task. I'm not going to pretend like it's any type of breeze walk, um, but I honestly believe that nothing in life worth having is. Um, I've had to work hard for everything. So, I mean, it's not anything that I'm not used to as far as the hard work, but it's tough. Um, And then, too, you know, sometimes your talent don't understand certain things and I guess they feel that you shouldn't really have a life outside of, you know, that. So it's hard when you're trying to compartmentalize, still putting yourself first for your self-care and your advancement and then trying to appease other people's thoughts of what you should be doing. Um, So, I mean, it's hard. You know, it it comes with its difficulties, but I know in the long run it'll be quite worth it. Yes, you're going to take over the world. I hope so, girl. I know so. So in the process of you setting up the agency, how did the influencing come about? Like, you know how they always say, um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm. Was this something where the agency made you dive more into influencing? Because you're really good at it. I mean, you you know, we've we've got a good amount of followers. (laughs) We have gigs that come through that pay. So, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the thing. So how did that evolve? So funny thing is they had no dealing in each other. It just they were two separate entities. Um, so before in- social media influencing became a thing, right? I was working as a promotional model and a brand investor and a regional marketing director for different brands. So I'm, I'm on the and they, they called it field and experiential marketing. So what that is exactly is say for instance. Um, there's a huge game. We're going to use the Super Bowl, for example. So you go to these big games and you see these different booths set up, like um, Allstate may have a booth. And they're like, hey, you know, if you come over here and sign up, you get a free T-shirt and a for a chance to win this huge luxury car or what have you. So I was doing things like that. And so I'm used to dealing with people and we're promoting the brands and giving key points and talking points. But it's in person. So all of a sudden, influencing became a thing. And I'm like, we were doing this already. We were just doing it in person, you know? So I was like, okay, how can I get into this? How can I capitalize? And it just kind of fell in my lap, honestly. So I had to 
and I'm still doing research along the way, especially with algorithms constantly changing and new social medias popping up. You know, it's always something. Um, so it's a never, never ending change of events when it comes to influencing. But I just kind of end up doing it and I fell in love with it. And I guess, too, once I realized that I could have a different route to expressing my creativeness in like fashion like that was like what won me because that's why I initially started before someone was like oh maybe you should start doing lifestyle too because fashion doesn't really pay and I was like okay you know so if anyone is following me and they noticed that I started a separate Instagram account I have two influencer Instagrams so one is the rebirth of Pharisee which is the lifestyle one which initially started as fashion but you know, um, you try to keep your page like a, a, amongst the same realm. Like I still kind of throw a little fashion in there, but when you're doing lifestyle commercial type shoots, it's hard to be high fashion in those shoots, you know? So I want to, and high fashion is kind of like my thing and what I kind of wanted to bring. So if you see a New York fashion week type stuff, that's the type of stuff that I want to, you know, portray on my page. So I was like, well, let me start an additional page because the lifestyle page became really business. And I didn't want to lose the fun in it. So I was like, okay, let me start the looks page because I want to be able to showcase black women living a luxurious life, you know, because I don't see enough of that. Um, and so I wanted to be able to showcase, I mean, ethnic women, period, honestly. But I, I don't see enough of this. I was like, let me start this to showcase that we can do it too. And there's nothing wrong with us wanting the better things in life. I don't know why it's such a stigma and it seems like it's always frowned upon when we enjoy the, the finer things, you know. Um, and I wanted to show that you can be a boss woman and do those things on your own. You don't have to have somebody paying those things for you and things like that. So courses and stuff like that will come a little light later for how you can, you know, build your looks closet and, and all that stuff. Um, so I'm kind of like going through emotions now and practicing things on my own. And I'm not one of those people who, who's going to start a course and has no clue what they're talking about. So I want to be able to be able to give, you know, everything to the people. And when they have questions, be able to thoroughly answer or be able to reference them to something, you know, some something that can help them and better answer their questions. So it's a lot to come and I'm excited. But this influencing has been like a life changer. It's my escape, you know, so I love it. That's a really good way when you think about perspective, because nowadays you can make up a job and get paid for it. And if you are very good at it, you can get paid well for it. And so just to, if I'm going to boast about Paris a little bit, guys. So she talked about that she's got the the rebirth of Paris and that is one Instagram. So she, her follower count on there is 80K plus. <laughs> it's, it's 80K and some change. We'll say it like that. I feel like that's the Memphis way that people would say it is 80K, 80K and some change. And then Lux by Paris is 15K and some change. So mm. Paris all day will be super humble, which is why I will brag on her for the entire time that we're on here. Um, you guys, she knows what she's doing. And on top of knowing what she's doing, she's still super sweet while she does it. And so it just goes to show you that you can be really well grounded um, mentally, spiritually, all of those things, and still go after your dreams and still hustle and still kill the game, which is what I absolutely love. And that's what my podcast is all about. So I'm excited mm -hmm. that my podcasters get to experience this as well. So with the influencing, what have you found to be the biggest challenge with getting 
I'm going to say two things because I know you could talk about both of these. What have you found to be the biggest thing about getting booked and getting paid? Okay. Ooh, this is a good one. So I feel like the biggest challenge with getting booked is, I hate to bring up the race card, but it literally has been an issue. Um, and it's, it's not something I'm just saying. It's It was a huge issue. I don't know if a lot of people saw on social media where it became a big deal and all the brands are like, oh, you know, support the people of color and da, da, da for a second of course it was just yep. kind of like a wave mm-hmm. um but it became an issue because a lot of these influencers that were of you know other ethnic backgrounds or whatever they were getting all the big jobs and getting to go on the brand trips and you know the things that we dream to be able you know to do and so it was like it was almost easier for them to do it and we're uh, of course it's always having to work 10 times as hard and it, it's an unfortunate situation when you're just as good, if even better, you know, than them and doing stuff. Like, I mean, I've seen some bland content that some people have put out. And I'm like, how is it getting all this attention? And how, how are they booking all these jobs when ex- this person over here is, like, putting out fire content, like, continuously? And they're saying they're having struggles with even getting paid, you know, and people just want to give them free product. So I really think that that has caused a huge rift um, in it. And the whole, the paid part, same thing. They do not want to pay ethnic creators their work. And it has been statistically proven. This is not just me talking that, you know, they're paying other ethnicities way more than they're paying us. And I'm like, I'm not understanding because you all have the budget. I mean, I'm talking about Fortune 500 companies. Like, you can't tell me that you can't afford it because that's the same money that you'd be putting into a marketing thing, which you'd be paying 10 times more than what I'm even asking for, you know, because they don't take into consideration the time, the prep, hair, makeup, setting up, especially if you're filming and doing stuff yourself. If you don't have, and then if you have a team too, you have to pay those people if they're not willing to, you know, collaborate with you. So it's like, it's so much that goes in the background and then editing takes the most time. I'm talking right. about stressful and don't let it be video editing. Now, photo editing is, is bad, but it's not as bad. Video editing, it took me probably 24 hours to make a 15 second video. And it's like, they don't take into account all that time and the effort that you put in. It's like, oh, they're just taking a couple pictures or posting. No, it's definitely not that. That's why these media companies charge so much money. And they thought that they were going to be able to come over here to some influencers that they feel like didn't have enough experience in the media department and just pay them less than what they deserve. No, I feel like the back end, actually, the, the following count comes a little later when it comes to tacking on the price because the important part, is like because I know people that have like a thousand, two thousand followers charging thousands of dollars because they're charging their work. Right. If this person has experience in editing and things like that, they should get paid for that. If they have a professional camera and things like that, they should get paid for those things. You know, so it's just it, it's been a frustrating situation. I had something come up recently that happened that kind of like irritated me. And with it being Black History Month, you know, this is definitely the time to pay, pay black creators their work, you know. Right. So a company reached out to me and was like, oh, you know, we want to do this story and blah, blah, blah. And we think you'd be a great fit, but we're going to pay you. Now, they asked me for my rates. Okay. And so they completely lowballed me once they sent me their offer over. And I'm like, 
what? And I, I specifically, this is a, a huge TV network wow. that's been around probably before both of us were born. So I'm like, I don't understand how you all don't have the finances and the money and you're saying you're on a tight budget, but you, you should have known these things beforehand. Like even if they would have put my pages in some type of calculator or whatever, it would have calculated more than what they offered me. So I'm just like, okay, you know, cause I think it was like half of even what I asked for. And I'm like, you're not taking into account anything that I have to do. And you're asking for so many deliverables. So that's another thing. If they're asking for multiple things, like they want you to do a TV reel or Instagram story, right. some uh, different posts, they want you to do a video, all that tacks on because that's mean, that means you have to keep creating different pieces for each thing that they're asking for. So like I said, it took me 24 hours to make a 15-second video. If I have to make a 15-second video, then I have to create some video and picture content for stories. I have to create video content for my feet. Imagine how many days it's going to take me to do shoot and be able to fully right. edit everything. Especially you if you're not doing take. it with the team. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and you're expecting me to get paid like minimal, like not even the minimum of what I deserve. So it was just really frustrating because, and I told them, and sometimes you have to step up for yourself, of course, respectfully. But I did tell them, I was like, this is Black History Month, and you're reaching out to me specifically for something involving Black history. So why would you not pay me what I deserve? I said, content creators deserve to be paid what they're worth. Right. And that's period. And so the lady was like, oh, I fully understand, you know, they're, uh, we're, we're on the low budget. I said, I understand that. <laughs> I was like, but I refuse, especially in a month that I take so seriously to even accept anything less than what I'm worth. And she came back and she was like, I respect that. And I will go back and talk to the team to see if we can have your budget in hand. And I may get it and I may not because I'm still waiting. But my thing is I stood my ground and that's going to be able to help creators going forward because the issue is a lot of times people may need the money in the moment. And I get it. I've done it in the past. and But it's hurting other influencers because right. if you have people that's concerned. And same with the modeling industry. When all these people start doing all these paid shoots, they don't want to pay models anymore. Right. You know, so uh, these free shoots. So they don't want to pay models anymore. So it's just like it's the same thing with influencers. If you're constantly taking this low amount of money and not standing your ground with your worth, it's going to hurt the next influencer when they ask for what they deserve. And then the company's going to be like, well, normally people don't charge me this much. Well, everybody's prices are going to be different anyway. Right. I find I find I have that same challenge um, in the on the dance side of things when Mm. I am like, for instance, the main thing um, when Hispanic Heritage Month comes around. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, my my background of my family is Mm -hmm. his is we're Hispanic and um and, and as a mix, so Afro-Latino, if some people want, like, that's fine. I'm still a brown girl. I'm every, look, I'm with everybody. So, <laughs> um, but one, that's one of those main things where, oh, you know, we just want to do a 15-minute demo, you know, and can you, you know, do this? And, you know, there's really no budget for it. And, you know, having to, now, it may be 15 minutes that I'm physically performing for you, but I have to be there 30 minutes early to get checked in, to get on base, to do any 
any of those things. And then after that, everyone always wants to talk to you. So I'm there for at least 15 to 20 more minutes. And if it's something that's free, if I'm wanting to, then I have to market myself to try to get the business afterwards. So mm -hmm. I'm wanting to stay 30 minutes so I can answer questions and give out business cards. Because really, if you think about it, that's the only way that I'm going to be able to roll that into some form of financial dollars. So it makes sense. Right. Um, and so by that time, it's a 15 minute gig has turned into two hours. Right. Exactly. And, you know, so it's it's challenging. And I am so happy that you said that. And I'm so happy that people are going to get to to hear that because standing up for yourself in a way that is still professional, mm -hmm. in a way that is still passionate mm -hmm. um, is really, really important. And there have been a few influencers that I've seen that have spoken about this, and I'm talking about within like the last week, okay. within Black History Month saying, you guys, don't message me with, with any nonsense. Like we are in Black History Month and let me know when I send you this rate sheet. <laughs> This rate sheet is coming to you, and that is my final answer. And right. you know, and we wouldn't be discussing this if this were maybe someone else or at another time frame. And so, honor me, and honor the month right. <laughs> when we should be honoring it all year long. Right. And you know, but especially within the month. So, with us talking about the challenges, I also want to make sure because now. Being an influencer is something that is becoming so normalized where people want to, and I want to give people the perspective of if, if you want to be an influencer, this we're not trying to tell you not to be. The whole purpose of this chat is for you to set it up in such a way where people will take you seriously, where you can turn this dream into a reality. So what would be your tips for someone that, is kind of playing around with this, but they need to have kind of maybe those two to three things to make solid that they need to kind of be putting into play in order to really go down this influencer role in a serious way. So first of all, uh, you're, you're going to hear a lot of people say to choose your niche, right? And I'm such a rebel. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I do too. I'm such a complex person and there's so many sides to me. So I love a lot of things. Like I'm talking about tech gaming. Like I'm, I'm a nerd and a lot of people would know it because they assume when you dress up and you look cute, you're not smart. I don't know where people get there from, but that's an unfortunate stigma. So there's so many like different pieces to me. So I have, I'm calling myself a multi-niche, yeah. but um, a lot of times people say, you know, choose you a, a niche, like whether that be lifestyle, you want to be a food person that goes around and tests food and stuff like that. You want to uh, do cars. You know, there are different types. So search what, what best fits you um, or what best things fit you because you could be a multi-niche too. So search what best things fit you and then start reaching out to your favorite brands, you know, um, but you need to make sure that, you know, you have at least something to be able to give them. So start looking at some of the people who you may look up to who are in those niche groups, right? So, and they don't have to have the biggest of audience. Like if they're putting out really great quality content and their actual feed looks really nice and well put together. And nine times out of 10, if those people are booking jobs and you'll see it because most times they'll have in their captions like hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, or they'll have up top, they have the feature where it'll say that this is a paid partnership with so-and-so. 
So look at those people and see who they're working with. And that also shows you what brands actually look for influencers too. So start by making you a list of different brands you want to work with and things like that and prepare yourself. Start putting out organic content first. So where it's like, okay, you know, I know I want to be in the food niche. Let me start taking um, pictures of different meals that I've created this week. Um, and, and I say do it for 30 days straight. So that way you have a lot of, you know, organic content. So that way when it's time to pitch to a brand, you can say, hey, you know, for 30 days I put out all this content, X, Y, Z. I went and visited this place and I wrote a review on my blog about them. This is what I can – I suggest you get a blog if you don't have one. I don't really – think it makes much sense to be an influencer and not have a blog to coincide with it and even if you're not as active on that blog you'd be surprised how many companies will pay you an additional amount of money just to post something about them on your blog even if it's not a lot of traffic on there along with your instagram post because that's a long form um you know long form advertising for them um and get you a pinterest too same thing um, something can go randomly viral on Pinterest and you wouldn't even realize it because it got kept getting pinned overnight. So there are like different things that you can do, but what I would say most, and I wish I would have done, like I said, I was th kind of thrown into influencing. It didn't happen like purposefully almost. It just kind of happened. So I had to learn a lot of things along the way and uh, the hard way, unfortunately. So do your research, like do your research. I can't tell you enough. And join, last thing, join some of these Facebook groups um, with bloggers and influencers because you'll see a lot of the different advice in there. And, I mean, people are more than willingly willing to give. If you post a question, you're going to have at least five people that's going to respond and that's been through the same thing and has already gone through stuff that knows how to particularly answer your question. So don't be afraid to, like, reach out to people and ask. You're going to have people who don't respond. I mean, that's quite natural. It happens for me, too. Um, but don't be afraid to reach out because there's so many people that's out there willing to genuinely help and not all about, you know, getting money or having to sell a course to do it. So. Ooh, girl, you dropped so many gems. Like, <laughs> hold on, wait. You dropped so many gems in like three minutes and 42 seconds. And people are going to have to like rewind this back and take notes. And I hope that they do take notes because. Please, please take notes. Yes. And the thing is, it's. Everything that you just spoke about is free, m minus yeah. the fact of like maybe getting a blog hosted, which there's even still oh, yeah. free platforms, you know, for that. But of course, mm -hmm. and that's a whole nother world about going into SEO and, and owning and owning your blog and yeah, all that kind of stuff. And like a whole different situation. Yeah, a whole different situation. I have to put that on the calendar for us to like do a deep dive on those things. Um, yeah. But you guys, the, the tips and the gems. Okay, so that's the influencer side of things. So now I want to go back and talk about the agency side of things because okay. I think even though if you're in this realm of work, if you're mm -hmm. in the industry, sometimes there's things that people don't think about. And I realized that, um, especially after you and I had a conversation and when I came to Memphis to work mm -hmm. and being on set with a large company that's producing, you know, the project that we are working on. And it's, I mean, it's no secret at this point. I flew out to Memphis to work um, with Paris on shooting a commercial for GoDaddy. Uh -huh. And so um, things like being on time and things like, um, you know, certain etiquette when you're on set um, mm -hmm. and being cognizant when the client needs you so that they're not looking for you, you know, just all of those, those small things. So from an agency owner, can you talk about the 
etiquette that if a person is wanting to sign with an agency, and Ooh. there's a couple of, of layers to this, but we'll, we'll go with this part first. If you're wanting to sign with an agency, what are the things that a talent should have to bring you? Let's start there. Okay. So are you saying like if they, if they submit like via online or once they've already been accepted to come to a meeting? Let's start with online. Let's take okay. them let's take them through that whole process. Like as an agency owner, okay. what are you looking for? And then also what are red flags? Gotcha. So there are now I will give a disclaimer that I'm not trying to shame anyone or bash anyone, but there are just some things I feel like should be understood if you're genuinely serious about something. But I'm gonna get into that in a few minutes yep. so you understand. So um Doing your research on the agency first, yes. right? So one pet peeve of mine is when someone sends an email, do you represent kids? You have not been to the website yet at all. I mean, there's a whole section that says kids, you know, so it's like, and then if you go and you've been to the Facebook page or the Instagram, you see children all up and down. So, and it specifically says on the website, the agents that I represent. So it's kind of like, okay, that goes to show me up front that you didn't do your research and you're asking me a question that could have been eliminated and I'm honestly not going to respond and waste my time because that goes to show you're not serious to me. Because if you are, you would have, that wouldn't have even been a question to ask because the, your answer is there. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. in school, how they say, did you go look at that first? You know, did you do the research? Yes. You didn't even do the, and that's not even asking a lot. I didn't say what state am I from. I'm not asking questions like that, but you're, you're asked a basic question that is probably like in the first couple of sentences in the, the info page, you know, on the website. So do your research and big agencies are really like serious about that too. Like they may ask you like some deep questions that you may not even thought of, but because you went and read the agency page, you're like, okay, I'm prepared. Right. You know, they look for things like that because there's so many people that want the opportunity and they're going to give it to someone. Nine out of ten, it took the time to do their research. Then they would somebody who comes in just like, oh, well, you, I deserve to be signed because I'm cute. It's deeper than that. There are a bunch of beautiful people there. What makes you stand out? Right. And so that's one thing that'll make you stand out because it's like, even if like in your in your interview, you throw out something like, oh, I read on the website at the agency XYZ. And they're going to be like, oh, okay, so you read it. You know, so it, it's giving you a heads up and it, that's in any regular business job too like that's just a little tidbit for that as well but that's important so if you're wanting to be a model submitting polaroids without makeup hair pulled back if you're a woman and got to because some guys have long hair hair pulled back there are they call them digitals or polaroids you can literally look online for agency polaroids to submit to agencies and they show you examples of what to send in so you have to be able to be comfortable in your skin because most times digitals are going to be in a in a plain black bikini two-piece so if you know that you aren't wanting to pose in like swimwear to be honest the the industry probably isn't for you because sadly i mean it's a lot of skin even with um you know the plus size markets i have a plus size model who's really big in the church and I respect her religion completely, but it's, it's been hard booking her like and getting her place with other agencies because she's not comfortable. And I think she's not comfortable on her skin, but I think religious wise, she's not wanting to showcase herself in bikinis or lingerie. 
But when you look at all the plus size ads, what are you seeing? Mm-hmm. You're seeing them all about, you know, loving their body. Body positivity. In. So it, it's hard to get you placed with a big agency because guess what? That's what they're going to want you to do. And if you tell them no, they're going to be like, well, why are you on our roster? Because you knew what you were signing up for type thing. So that's been tough. So if you know you don't really want to model in lingerie and bikini, the industry might not particularly be for you. Um, at least not professionally. If you want to do it for fun and like in like local, you know, stuff, cool. But when it comes to like major you know, places they're gonna want you in there. It's just you're you're a mannequin. That's what they consider you. Right. You're, you get dressed the way that they see fit. And even like if you're on a runway show, if they have you in a see-through top with your nipples showing, you can't complain. You just gotta get out there. You gotta model with your nipples showing. It's just it's mm-hmm. a part of you know the industry. So you have to take all those things into account as well before submitting and knowing those things as well. Um, two, I would suggest. finding a few people that kind of look like you in the industry so find you some favorite models do your practicing on your poses and things like that because an agency may want to pull you in and do like a test shoot to see if you're on you know and that particular agency may be looking for somebody who has some experience at the time so if you can't even do like a few simple poses they're gonna be like okay you know whatever next but it may be some agencies that, that are looking to develop talent so those are different things as well. Um, and making sure, too, that when you're submitting to an agency, you're looking at what they accept to their agency. Like if you're five, six, and they're only accepting five, eight and up, don't submit because nine times out of ten, most of the big agencies aren't going to respond to you because they get so many so many like applications in. And, you know, I mean, it helps to not have to feel rejected if you don't have to. You know, so if, if you're not... If you're not within what they're looking for, most agencies are extremely specific. And if you're a gym that's kind of like outside of what their norm is, most times they'll find you, if that makes sense. Like a lot of agencies have scouts and things like this. So be sure to look on these agencies' different Instagram pages, right? So a lot of them have hashtags for you to be scouted. Like um, I believe ours is um, is something with Paris. I can't think off the top of my head. But it's on the, the hashtag is actually in our bio. So a lot of times they'll put to be scouted or to be discovered hashtag so-and-so. And then you can ask them and tag them in your pictures. So those are just different ways to um, participate as well. Companies have open calls all the time. Pay attention to their social media pages. It's a digital age now, people. Y'all have to pay attention to social media. True. They may drop something and say, hey, you know, we have an open call. Last minute open call on Tuesday from 10 to 3. Be able to be there. And make sure you block off 10 to 3 on your schedule because just because it says 10 and 3 doesn't mean you're going to get in at 10 and be done at 10, 15. They may want to keep you the entire time because you don't know what it is that they have planned for those times. So make sure you block out that time in your schedule. Um, so, I mean, those are really the important pieces to me. But what I was going to say is people, <laughs> do, not, do not send in pictures of you with a billion emojis on your i mean i can't even explain like i've seen pictures with like glitter just all on the background with little heart eyes emo- and i'm uh, like what so um this? the the filters so these, yes, these filters. S- submitting in photos that are not 
professionally produced photos and not everything has to be a professionally produced photo right. but right. they're sending in your visuals you can take with your phone right. you know they just need to be in good lighting right um so no snapchat too. filters no instagram yeah, filters like i had a girl who sent me a snapchat photo i guess that she posted you would tell snapchat because it had the little bar with the words yeah and it was like it was like he liked to eat it or something like that and i was like are you kidding me like wow. really just and she had on like the some underwear and just like was posing like a little scandalous and i'm like this is not that's uh, the opposite of what you meant when you were giving the description for the the industry you know needing you to be open-minded for for work and, right. and things of that nature sometimes right. we can be a little bit too open people Yes, a little, a little too open. Um, so that immediately gets you discarded. First of all, I'm not taking anybody with filters on their things anyway because I can't naturally see you. There's been plenty of times where agencies have been catfished where it's like, oh, this model looks like this. And when they show up, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a completely different person. Right. You know. So and it's unfortunate because the agency doesn't necessarily want to hurt somebody's feelings. But some of these agencies like in New York, they don't care if they do hurt your feelings. They're so cutthroat and blunt. They're just like, eh, OK, next, because that's not what you sent us right. type thing. Apparently you had. And that's why they don't want you sending them pictures with makeup on. And if you do, it needs to be extremely light, you know, to where it's not affecting how you naturally look. So that's where digitals are. Digitals are you in raw form. And I mean, no makeup, no, no clothes really except the bikini and for males most times they'll have you just do like some jeans no shirt things like that so that they can be able to see what you look like before makeup is put on you um so for acting a lot of agencies will require you to send in a headshot and if you don't have a professional one get on a plain white wall and take a really nice headshot. Um, take one portrait wise and one landscape and make sure that you're in great lighting. And send that in. And if you have any work, like any reels or anything, if you're already a professional actor, send in your resume. Send in your um, your reel if you have one. If you don't, send in a monologue. A lot of times, that's what they're going to require. They're going to require you to do a 30 to 60 second monologue of anything of your choice to see what kind of acting abilities that you have. And you could always be honest, too, in your, because some people, like I have the messenger part, too, where you can send a little brief message and tell about yourself if you want to. You can say, hey, you know, I do not have any experience, but I would like to learn X, Y, Z. So that way, that agency already knows what they're getting into when they book you, uh, well, when they want to set things up with you. So then they can help you, you know, send you on different um, little workshops or, you know, in acting classes or what have you, so if the, they have those in your area. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much, if the actors don't have to do as much, I would say, as the models have to do. So you just send in your monologue and a little headshot or whatever, and you'll be just fine. Um, and then the agency normally will try to get back to you within, like, maybe a, a couple of weeks, depending on the agency. But if you don't hear back, nine times out of ten, they probably didn't want to sign you. And it doesn't mean don't try again. Try again in six months. Um, you know, you may just not have been the perfect look for them at that time. And a lot of times, two agencies already have talent on the roster that looks like you. So it's like, okay, I don't, I don't, and I, it happened to me before. So I have these two kids, right? And when they look very similar in build, they're both mixed and they have this long curly hair. Where so happened, one of them submitted 
and I ended up bringing one in and then the other one was submitted and I was like, well, I want to at least give this little girl a chance to be able to shine before I bring in somebody else because then they're going to be competing, Mm -hmm. you know, for jobs. So a lot of times that's what agencies will do is they already have enough talent that look like a specific look. They may not bring you on board, but that doesn't mean six months later, you know, that they won't have a spot opening because those girls have been probably working for a bit. So it's, it, give, it opens up time to be able to get a new face in. Um, and one more pet peeve. So two more. Okay. Uh-oh. We're here I for have... it. We need to hear, we need to hear this. Yeah. And this isn't us having tough love because we want to make people feel bad. Right. But if you can hear it, like you, seriously, think of us like your girlfriends and mm-hmm. you know, we're having these realistic talks with you. So then that way you don't make those, um, those wrong choices. Right. And then you don't have to go through that part of the rejection for something that truly we can label under common sense. Right. So I have talent or people that want to be talent that message me at all times of the day. Like they'll send me text messages mm-hmm. and it's like, you wouldn't do that to a corporate, you know, office. Like, why are you texting after five o'clock and different companies have their office hours. So if you are going to text, then send a text message during those office hours because you don't know if that person has their business phone number linked to their cell phone and all of that. But regardless, it's like, even if it wasn't, why are you texting at 9, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning? You know what I'm saying? Like, at night and then like 1 in the morning. Like, that's just ridiculous. Just like you have a family. So does that other person. And even if they don't have an immediate family like kids and stuff like that, they need time to themselves. They've been working all day. You know, so so don't do that. And then, too, don't harass the agencies. Like, I can't tell you. There has been, like, one particular person that has sent, like, they'll send an email every day. I So I was going to ask you about this because for you, what what is the fine line of being someone who wants to show that they're tenacious and they're passionate and they're pursuing an opportunity? Right. And um, when does it go wrong that they are overly contacting you and and becoming the bugaboo? So to me, because I've had to be the tenacious one in the past, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like for me, I always give it a few months at least in between, you know, like I may send in my stuff and then maybe like a like a regular job, like maybe like two weeks after I'll do a follow-up. If I don't hear anything back, I'm not going to keep messaging after that. Because okay. at that point, it's like, I know at some point somebody has received my information. So if it gets to that point, it's like, okay. And then too, depending, some agencies will send you back a, an email saying, hey, you know, we received your message. You're not what we're looking for at this time. Feel free to, you know, to apply back in six months. If they say that, don't keep submitting to them because they just let you know when to apply back, you know. So if they specifically say they definitely don't keep emailing them because they're going to immediately probably block your email. And mm. this is being honest. Um, and so, like, for me personally, I can appreciate someone continuously submitting, like, months away. Because it's like, okay, this person may not have been to look at that time. But, and then, too, a lot of times, if the talent, or seeing this happened before, if the talent is serious, I've had talent submit and their images just didn't look good. And so, like, months later, you could tell they've been working with a photographer or something, and they've enhanced 
you know, what they're doing. You can tell they're more comfortable in front of the camera. It's like, okay, well, let me bring them in because now I see they're serious. Like, what I did, they're putting the work, and I love the way their images look. So don't be afraid to resubmit uh, months later, but don't keep sending emails every day, every other day, because that's the quickest way to get spammed. You know, it's like this person clearly has no respect for for me because it's like okay you're flooding my email first of all it's like and i'm missing other people who could potentially you know be a fit because i'm having to constantly go through and delete your emails you know it just it becomes a hassle and then you're filling up my email list so it's like okay come on like you know get out of here but it it, it can get very annoying and trust me that the agents are seeing this and they're probably just as annoyed as well so just don't do that people Wait, uh, wait at least a few months. So there is a fine line between love and hate. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. You guys, if, if you know the movie reference, we're probably friends. Um, I do yes. a lot of movie references. So to go back to this part, you guys, let me add in a, a one point. When Paris talks about being um, detailed and reading the website before you contact her, I, as a person who has worked as talent, even though I own a company, you have to understand, even though I own a company over here to the left, doesn't mean that when I go and I am a talent, like when I'm talent, I'm a talent. It has no nothing to do with the company. So that means I am at that point a number two and I need to follow all of the rules that a number two needs to do. If Paris has to question that you didn't read the rep, the website, she's probably going to have to question everything else about you from then on. And there are steps, meaning that when she sends you a contract, you filling it out correctly. Um, if she sends you a, a layout sheet of the day, she has to trust that you are going to show up on time. She has to trust that you're going to read what items that you need to bring with you to the photo shoot. And a lot of times what we might be missing about this is that from the time that Paris books you to you showing up to the shoot, you probably haven't seen or spoke to Paris in person. So I think we need to make that known because some, you know, I don't know if people might think that, oh, well, when they get booked, you know, when you get booked, it's, it's maybe an email. Mm -hmm. And that email is a detailed sheet of what that day is either going to look like or and sometimes you're getting that information the day before or the day of depending upon the client. Right. So right. when we when she mentions details and again you're talking to somebody who's physically worked with her when she mentions details it is a lot riding on the details for jobs. So mm -hmm. if you are the person who can't even read that she represents children that's what she means by that because again since that detail portion is so large it's a lot riding on it so she can't worry about if you can't get past the website and then she's got to worry about the 15 other things that she needs you to do and, and needs right. needs done on time so right. just kind of breaking that that down for you you guys you know so um my my last part for this paris because you and i we could talk all day we could <laughs> and but i'm gonna we we have talked all day exactly in our jammies and all that stuff so um and uh, you guys paris is going to be back to talk and do other stuff you know in the future so don't don't be sad but i want to go so from the talent side to the owner side if there is someone who is dreaming of possibly starting an agency what would be your tips for that person to, again, same thing, go in the right direction to build an agency that is going to be respected? Right. So 
this is going to be tough because it could depend on the market. Um, some markets may be oversaturated with agencies like New York. Of course, it's going to be oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Where I say it's three of us. So <laughs> it's a little easier. <laughs> you know, we're a little smaller than the rest. Um, but I would highly suggest because there's no handbook. You know how it's a billion handbooks on how to do this. There yep. is no handbook on how to be an agent. Yeah. So funny thing enough, this is my year five, and in April it'll officially be five years. Oh my goodness! So, yeah, I know. I wanted to celebrate on five years, but the way COVID looking, you know, we're still going to celebrate because I mean, yeah, your we, five, we your five COVID. year, my birthday, like it's a lot going on. Yes, it's a lot going on. Okay, I'm here for it. Yes. So. um... I mean, I'm still learning everything like bit by bit as I go. There's there's a different challenge every year that you wouldn't even imagine to come up, but it's really how you deal with it. And two, if you can make friends with other local, you know, agents and stuff like that who don't mind, because of course you have your agents that's going to be like, I don't want to share information with you. You know how that goes. But there may, or even if you reach out to some agents that are in other cities that don't have a direct, you know, I guess, conflict with you, you know, mm-hmm. see if they can offer you some insight and things like that on that industry um, or in that market. If you all are in the same market, um, be able to, to network as much as possible, because that's the only way that you're going to really be able to understand what's going on. You can research some things when it comes, especially when it comes to like being a SAG agency. So those all of those things are like laid out for you. When you're SAG, you know, that's dealing with, like, the actor stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, but when you're non-union and things like that, there's not a lot of laws and, and rules, you know, as far as, like, what we should be doing. Um, so it's kind of like you're winging it um, as far as that goes. But be sure to just do your research and pay attention to other agencies that you see are doing really well. Like, what are they doing? How are they doing it? How are they setting up this? How are they setting up that? You know, for me, it was a little easier because I was on the model. Well, I'm still on the modeling side, but like I actually modeled for a very long time and I was agency signed. So I got to sit back and see, you know, how different processes work. And while I'm on set, I'm studying different things. I'm just not just on set to be working. Like I'm studying how things are going, how talent are being placed and who, who the different contacts may be and things like that. So, I mean, just being able to pay attention to maybe working from a model and actor perspective and seeing what it is that's being done and that can give you greater insight too. So that way too, when you do become an agent, you can sympathize with your actors and models and know the different things that are going on on set that may may not be going, shouldn't be going on and things like that. So, I mean, just, there's no easy way to answer this because like I said, it's not really a, a, a handbook a rule book, but just being able to try to see if you can find you some some agency friends that do not mind. Yeah, a tribe that do not mind giving you information. And you may even look up and be able to intern for one of them. Um, unfortunately, in my situation, I reached out to a few agencies before I opened to try to intern so that I could go in with more knowledge. But unfortunately, they didn't pay me any attention. So wow. I had to do what I had to do. You know, I, I did my research as best I could. And I kind of went from from the ground up trying to figure out, okay, how would I run things? You know, what what's the right way to run things? You know, like I say, it, it was all trial and error, and it still is. You know, of course, it's a lot better now, but it's some things that I'm still learning along the way. 
Um, and honestly, like I know some agencies that's been around for a long time too, and they call me for some stuff. So it's like it's it's always an, an ever evolving thing. So that's why it's important to try to build a tribe so you all can get on the same page. And especially if you're in a small region, it's like you want to make sure all the agencies are on the same page when it comes to like certain pricing and things like that, so that it won't be like a huge issue, you know, with certain stuff. And of course, you can charge whatever you want to charge in your negotiations, but you don't want to be so far-fetched that it runs like clients away from the in- from the region because like you're charging just out of the wazoo for no reason. Um, so yeah, just just find you a tribe and and do this re- do your research as best as you can. Hopefully, at some point, somebody will release a book. I need to be trying to figure out if I can release one because I'm like I don't. I, I feel like people need to know. You know, a lot of things that aren't being shared and it's unfortunate that it has to go this way um, to where you don't really have a lot of things and resources to help you when it comes to wanting to start that. It's almost a resource for everything else. But for this particular thing, there wasn't one. So hopefully there'll be something that'll pop up. I am so thankful for you because I knew that and this is my first fashion talk. And so I couldn't imagine anyone better to start it off with because I wanted this to be just a platform that would be honest and truthful Mm -hmm. and vulnerable and raw and all of those things. Um, Because sometimes when you can see someone like yourself on social media and you're like, who 80K, she's untouchable. You know, she just, oh my gosh, she just did something for this particular company and oh, I'm sure that paid 10K. You know, mm-hmm. she's not gonna answer my my little question on my, um, you know, like a messenger and all that. Mm-hmm. So I think one, it's just so awesome to have people like you in the industry where we mm-hmm. can pick your brain, you know, within, within response, respectable and responsible right, I say that because, mm-hmm. you know, Paris is a business owner, so she is worth being paid for her time. Um, but mm-hmm. when you can take time out like this, it's, we honor you. I really, really mm-hmm. appreciate you, friend. And mm-hmm. for giving us the real, real, you guys. I vote for Paris to release um, the 101 or the, uh, the Agencies for Dummies book. <laughs> Because yeah, good. it it really it, it it needs to happen. I mean, you have a lot of projects that are coming down the the pipeline, and I'm not going to be the one to spill the beans. Like, there's things that we can't talk about on the podcast, you guys, and we're not going to talk about them in front of people. But Paris has a lot of projects coming down the pipeline, so I suggest that you stay in contact and that you, of course, follow me because I'm going to be sending everything out through email but you need to go and you need to follow Paris um, on Instagram and all of that and I'm going to put all of her information in the description boxes of everywhere that this is going to be posted and the blog and thank you so much Paris thank you for having me like I, I definitely enjoyed this it, it, and the funny thing is like it's never been about money to me because this is genuinely my passion don't get me wrong I like having bills y'all yep don't, don't don't get that misunderstood but like this is really something that I, I truly love like I say anytime you call me you know you're my fashion sister so it's like okay girl what we doing you know what we doing when we doing it where we going to do it yes, so when it. when you see Paris and I dipping and doing it the rest of this year because we have some travel plans too so just follow us both and and we'll take you Mm -hmm. along because you know we're fashion friends together yeah it's all about the journey so thank you guys so much for listening and watching and we will talk to you in the next one
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast, but it doesn't have to end here. Share your passions, purpose, and wins with me across my other platforms. Visit MarquitaBianca.com today and let's stay connected.